Good evening and welcome to another episode of From the Backseat, a Premier League football podcast. Have Chelsea opened up the title race? How many injuries can Liverpool handle? And is Gary O'Neill the best managerial talent in the business? All of that and more on today's episode. Uh, line up today, host Jack, uh, Chelsea correspondent Joe, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> Good to be back. Yeah, that's it, mate. Huge result. Probably your biggest result of the season so far. We're all gassed about it. And our Liverpool correspondent, Ash. How's it going, Ash? Yo, yo, all good, all good. So, yes, on to the big game. The title-deciding fixture. Manchester City won, Chelsea won. I was Chelsea on Saturday. I was very, very Chelsea. And it's very rare that that ever happens, but it was good. I feel like it wasn't actually that good a game for the neutral. But it's all about the result, isn't it? And I was mm-hmm. fully expecting City to win 3-1 once they scored that goal, even though they only had about 10 minutes left. That's just what they do. So it was very nice to see Ch- uh, Man City actually drop some points. I feel like it was a tale of two misfiring strikers. One that we expect to misfire somewhat in Nicholas Jackson and one who we don't in Erling Holland, who was really bad in this game for once. So that was nice. I hope that continues. But yeah, what was your read of the game, Joe? I thought it was really good. It's um, really nice to see us come off those really two bad results with Wolves and with uh, your boys up north to uh, to see ourselves come into a good reign of form here. Uh, Chelsea, I thought, were really good against City. We seemed to anticipate the tactics that they would look to deploy. And there were a few nice little things that I noticed in the game that I thought was... Uh, were quite impressive from the way that Pochettino both set it up, but also in the way that the team administered the tactics to uh, to counteract City's offensive. So as I'm talking about offensive, you probably can imagine I'm going to start with the defence. So I don't know what you boys thought, but I think we could have a very solid defensive partnership here in uh, Kowal and De Sassi in their first game together. I mean, I think that, I do think Disassi had a great game. In all fairness, you know, like a lot of Haaland's misses could probably be credited towards him. You know, shit house on shit house. Problem is though, is he is he consistent enough? I'm not seeing a consistency there. But maybe you know, having someone like Colwell next to him who's a little bit more mobile, willing to like cover, might be might be a great a great shout as a partnership. But I think that for you as a team. I said it before, I'll say it again, it's veteran presence. Can one of those two players step up and take away that fact that you need that or give that veteran presence that Thiago Silva has? Oh, for sure. But if you look at the game so far this season, I mean, if you're coming into Chelsea, let's say either mm. as Colwell, a youth player who was at Brighton last season coming into the team, or as De Sassi, who's coming from Monaco in the French League, a slightly different style of play. And then throughout the first part of the season, you're played either, if you're Colwell at left back or Di Sassi at right back because of needs must, then you're being played out of position. So you're not really being given a chance to play in your favoured position. And I thought in this game, you just saw, firstly, that they were very capable, very mobile, mm-hmm. um, maybe not able to, to really handle Haaland because, let's be honest, the big Norwegian monster who can really mm-hmm. handle him. But um, as a two, yeah, Virgil, yeah, Virgil's a bit of a different kettle of fish, mate. But as a as a two, as a pairing, I thought they were really good. 
And actually, it was nice to see that De Sassi especially, he, he gave a bit of personality during the performance mm-hmm. with his celebrations, as a defender mm-hmm. should do when they, when they protect the goal. But also, I, I don't know about you guys, but throughout this season, I've seen from Chelsea a little bit of that new team syndrome where you're kind of just playing for the checkbook. Um, and I, I, you know, I don't like to say it, but that's kind of how I've been feeling. There's not that much passion. There's not that much fluidity or, or personality, given that the teammates don't really know each other. But in the mm-hmm. recent games, starting to see from De Sassi in this game, cheering, um, getting very emotional and motivated as soon as he gets the ball out from Enzo a few games ago against Villa, you know, Everyone joked about it, but taking a shirt off, pointing at the shirt, saying, I'm here, I'm, I'm keeping on going. Uh, and then Jackson in the last game, um, where you actually had to bloody stop the man from going from the subs bench and running over to the fans to celebrate. <laughs> Which, you know, it may have got him another yellow card, one more closer to a two-game ban. But, you, you know, you've got to love to see it as a fan. And, and yeah. I think as... Between the two of them, as well with the rest of the squad starting to gel really well together, I, I think that we could be seeing something here that is the real Chelsea when we had all of our players fit. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, you could go back to the result, right? I think Jack mentioned at the start, when, when City scored, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, this is, this is going to be a pummel in, in the next, like, 10 minutes. But you guys held firm, right? And it's a sign of a team that's starting to get to know one another, like you said, and a one-one result at the Etihad is a fantastic result. No it's, matter it's who you are, it's basically a win, isn't it? It's yeah. basically a win at this point. So fair play, and you know, I think that side, you know, passion, you know, that's something that you've been lacking. And you know, if you're saying you're seeing that in the players, then then, then fair play. Do you know what I mean? I think you've got a young team. It's, it is literally the youngest squad in the league, right? Exactly. So, what do you want from young players? You want more passion and more, more energy. energy. <laughs> and in Cole Palmer's case a lot more footwork because that guy is fire um, oh mate he is so good but I think we're we're going to touch on that a little bit later mm-hmm. right um, mm-hmm. if I can just give a shout out to a couple more players that I thought were really, really absolutely, strong mate. absolutely I'm going to go through the whole team in a second <laughs> if you give me a chance I, I think Gusto is is showing that as a signing in the summer that he, he's playing out of his skin at the moment. Really, really good for a young player. Um, someone who I, I, think I suspect he's comes a lot back. older. I feel like he's a lot older than 20. <laughs> passport situation. I, I just he, can't believe that he's only like 20, 21. I've had it in my head since he signed that he's 25. And it's just nothing makes sense to me. The fact that he's very good and very competent. I'm like, he's definitely 25. He's definitely in his prime right now. There's no way he's this good already. Well, he he came from the French league. He's uh, he's actually just French by birth. It's not like he he. I think I tried to look up his uh, ancestry actually, just to see if he's coming from kind of North Africa or somewhere like that. Uh, and I, you know, very much he's just come straight from from French football. There's been no uh, yeah no other I'm league not, that he's been playing in. I'm not saying he's got uh, a dodgy passport. I'm just I'm just I don't know. I'm just I'm very suspicious. I'm just not having you, it. You can see where I was going with that one, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I think that. To your point, like, he has been playing well. He's been one of your better players and, you know, stepped up when you needed him to. I think that there was a few times in the game that, he, you know, Edison was forced to make a decent save due to the work that he put in, right? And yeah. I think that, you know, realistically, if Edison was probably City's man of the match because in the first first half, start of the second half, you kind of peppering them. 
And then, you know, he's made some great saves, you know, Brazil's number two for a reason. Um, (laughs) But, you know, again, I think one thing I will say is as much as it's a great result for Chelsea, it also shows that City don't go down for long. And unless you put them out of a game, they're always Mm going to be in it. They're always a threat, even if Haaland isn't firing. Again, it's typical. Rodri's the one that's going to pop up with it with a goal out of the blue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I do I want to give a shout out to Sterling. I do want to give a shout out to Sterling because his goal was quite similar to the goal that you know stopped us from winning the league in 2013. That was called offside and you know brought VAR into the. Uh, he's going so back. He he's going through got, the archives. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, bit, bit of payback for City. That's what I'm a saying. Decade later, know. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. He, he was he was really good. I was actually surprised that they started Sterling. I would have thought that they would put uh, Nkuku up top with um, Jackson on the wing, as Jackson's been playing really well on the mm-hmm. wing recently. I think now you're giving him a bit of space. You can see that he's got quite good link-up play. He's fast, maybe lacking on the final pass and the final finish. But, you know, another one of those players, you look at him, he's 20, 21 years old. He's got a lot of room to grow in him. And he's really only had... Two seasons of, of uh, adult Top professional football. football in it, yeah. so you know what, what can you expect from that that kind oh, of kind of man. He he proper raw sometimes though. Like watching some of his decision Darwin making. Raw. He's not yeah. Darwin raw. He's a Riki raw. He, like, he's <laughs> he's proper raw sometimes. Like there's definitely talent in there, but goodness yeah. me, you'd, you'd almost want to load him out for two yeah, years like the, and just the, just wait and see. The one v one that he fumbled. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Too many touches, lost control of the ball. It could have easily just taken one touch, slotted it, right? I mean, I say that I'm not a professional footballer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no. We're Shocking. all just armchair pundits, Shocking, obviously. Really. No, but... <laughs> yeah. but with that, but I think there's, those... two, there's two oh, aspects there. there. There's the ball that came in from Gusto, which actually came in a little bit behind where Jackson would want it. True. But also, give it to Jackson. If I, if I was him and if I was a professional footballer, maybe one day, you know, <laughs> uh, I would have held my run a little bit more. He knew his pace. He saw Gusto was ahead. He could have been, you know, marginally offside as well with the ball that came in. So, uh, you know, he just needed to hold back his pace a little bit, hold his run and, and get ahead of the, the player on the on the other side with that extra spare yard, you know. Um, I mean, I think there's, there's two points there, though, to make. Is one, if you want to be a professional footballer, mate, you might want to cut off, cut off the beers. Yeah. <laughs> Two. Yeah, you wouldn't have had the pace to be offside in the first place. <laughs> no, I'm only joking, mate. Um, no, I, I get what you're saying. Though, obviously, he could have held off his run a bit. But for me, actually, Gusto probably could have crossed that in the air, mm. put it right on his forehead, and the way you go. But easier said than done, right? I mean, we're we're talking about here a situation where think about Chelsea at the start of the season. If you went into this game. You wouldn't think Chelsea would have a, a even a snippet on goal with the way that we were playing, and now we're talking about the the minor details of whether a ball exactly. could be played a little bit earlier, whether someone could have held their run a little bit more. It's it's progress. It's progress at the end of the day. And what you said there about holding off City in a, in a game like this, you know, mm-hmm. City had something to go for. They had Rodri in the team. I mean, you can't. You can't really stop Rodri from scoring in big games. He's just he's just a machine. He also cannot uh, lose. He's never he lost a game lose. for City that he's started. So it was physically impossible. He he took that very personally when it looked like he was going to lose that record. 
He took that very fucking personally. That does annoy me. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. But uh, very good game, Arte. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for you guys, great result coming into the weekend, right? Obviously, big game exactly. at the weekend. You know, you're not going into it's all it. all about the next loss. game. Big game at the weekend. Indeed. Yes. You're going to get a spanking oh. and you know it. <laughs> absolutely spanking. And we're going to be playing the kids because everyone's injured. Oh, there's more to say on that game, but that segue's too juicy <laughs> to not take it up on its offer. We can come back to Cole Palmer if you really want at the end, Joe. Um, oh, do you know what? Now, nah, fuck it. Oh, I've got something to say. I've been waiting for ages. Ilkay Gundogan, he would have won that game for them. It's February, 100%. it's clutch time, and they need a goal. This is where he scores six games in a row. I always hoped <laughs> this might happen, that this year no one would step up. So watch Rodri. If he scores in the next five games, then they're officially cheating because there's no way that's allowed. But I feel like Gundogan is the person they miss right now. They don't. They didn't replace him. They don't have yeah. anyone like him. They tried to with Kovacic, uh, Kovacic didn't they? But yeah, yeah. I forgot about him. I, I, I like that one. That was a good little purchase from City. Thanks for the money, hey, uh, guys. Pulled the wool over their eyes, didn't you? Not a bad trade, was it? You know, a couple extra mil when you get Cole Palmer. Did they have a buyback clause for Cole Palmer? Because I wonder if they're regretting it yet. No, no. There was a on Palmer's transfer. There was a thing there where Palmer just said, "You know, play me or I'm leaving." He's no loan, no buyback. I, and I appreciate that, you know, a player that just says, I want to play. I, I don't want to mess around. If I'm with you, I'm with you. And if I'm not, I'm not, you know. And then he, he's not sitting on our bench wondering, oh, I wonder if I played that well, if I'll get back into the City team. I mean, no. I mean, Guardiola came out this week, which I think was quite a good statement that said, to be honest, it was either give Palmer games and put uh, Foden on the bench or keep playing Foden. Uh, if you look at Foden's play recently, he's he's incredible still. Ash, I've got a question well, for you. Go for it. You said on the pods quite a few months ago that Cole Palmer's mm-hmm. got a higher ceiling than Phil Foden. Where do you stand it. on that? Stand by it, yeah. I was just so. about to say, I, I stand by it. Mm. I always prefer a player who's willing to, to go, I want to play football and to mm. prove himself. And I don't think Foden really cares. Foden's got talent. He's got a load of talent, right? But he don't care if he starts or if he sits on the bench, right? It's almost like Grealish. It's the same with him, right? He doesn't care if he starts or stays on the bench. Whereas Palmer was like, no, I know I'm better than these guys. I want to play football. Play me or I'm going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's a main man. He's a main man at a big club. But uh, someone who's uh, not on the bench recently, let's give mm-hmm. a shout out to Connor Bradley. Oh, yes, thank you. What a man. I'm to work out how I said what main man. man. <laughs> Segway. Segway in a half. Um, I, I put a text in the WhatsApp group, listener, before before this game, and I was like, I'm very nervous about this game from mm-hmm. a Liverpool perspective. Because I still remember that 3-3, um, like two yeah. seasons ago. Um, and I just feel like Brentford are exactly the kind of team to just clinically punish us with like five shots, three goals. And we just lose 3-2. And so I was worried about it. And Ivan Tony did score. But thankfully, we got a different we got a different attacking lineup this season. We have five different attackers. And they all bring different qualities to the table. And we pretty much bring all of them on every game. We rotate the pack every game. And it gives us like a weird luxury that I don't think we've ever had in the Premier League era. Like five genuine first-team starters who can all impact the game. Both starting yeah. and off the bench. They're all different. And you sort of 
mix and match them depending on the opposition. It's pretty cool. It's a shame that half of them got injured in this game, but we'll get onto that. But yeah. in principle, <laughs> very, very nice. And there's only one man to call out. He's the greatest striker of all time. All time. In a weekend where strikers are misfiring left, right and centre, Darwin Nunes steps up. Taking the absolute piss as well. <laughs> and he dinks the naughtiest chip I've seen in a long time. There's no that need was, for it. There's no need was, for it. I don't know if you remember back in FIFA 2014, the high dipping one. That was the <laughs> high one dipping one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was rude. What I like yeah. is it was so unnecessary. Jota was like, are you not, are you really not going to? Okay, fine. And he's just, he's just dinked it. He's not giving it any thought. And that's when he's yeah. at his best. Exactly. No, I think that, you know, it, it, there was potential for us to slip up. Most, you know, most people that I spoke to were like, oh, this is a, this is a big game for you boys. Like, do or die. Mm-hmm. And I think a few years back, this is the type of game that we would just we'd routinely slip points. Um, I was worried having Kelleher in goal with, you know, Tony back and, and you know, them hitting us on the counter-attack. But hey, look, Connor Bradley, as you mentioned, main man. At one point, they literally decided to stop attacking down his flank. He's you know, good, that's, He's quality, mm. mate. He's actually you know, really good. I find you know, it borderline illegal that he can be called Connor Bradley and be this good. It feels like it's not. It's just not really how yeah. things work in uh, football, you know? Like, he sounds like too he should be plain. For Hole or someone like that. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like he, he is, by definition, a League One player. Everything about him is League One. He's a bit gangly. He's got a dead name. He's just a dead guy. And he's just no, like fucking Kafu. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> no, look, so he's got two first names and has a name. That's a dead... He's a dead guy. But I think for us, though, like this season, in two positions that we've, you know, we've struggled to have players outside of Trent and Robertson, we've had people step up. And we mm. thought we needed to go out, get a, get a right back to push Trent go out, get a left back because Simakas wasn't good enough, uh, good mm-hmm. enough. Robertson wasn't good enough anymore. Joey Gomez has stepped up, right? Simakas stepped up. But Connor Bradley has, in my opinion, has pushed Trent out of his place. Don't get me wrong, Trent has been a, one of our best players this season, but you can't drop the kid at the moment. Do you know what I mean? And even no. after what happened to his dad, obviously, recently, and he had to, had to leave the team for emotional reasons, he's come back straight away putting in class performance and Curtis Jones has gone down injured this, you know, this week. Do we see that? Do we see this as a chance for Trent to step into the midfield and finally take that role? Right. It's interesting. Mm. It's very interesting because we only have one right back listed technically in our squads. Joe Gomez centre back and Conor Bradley's not even listed. He's just mm-hmm. been pulled pulled out of nowhere. I think Klopp always knew he had talent. That's why he didn't get another right yeah, back. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he was Bolton's player of the year last year, wasn't he? So. That's his level, mate. That's his bloody level, I'm telling you. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Carson, I think that game was about unsung heroes. Bradley Mm -hmm. being one. Alexis McAllister, I think he's, in my opinion, he's probably the most underrated centre-mid in the the league. Like, Mm. he's he's so consistent. He's so technically good. And having Endo back just gives him that opportunity to just be the McAllister that we saw in the World Cup, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking the same when watching that game. You know, the the start of the season, you guys purchased pretty much a whole new midfield. It was that again, kind of like Chelsea. You're just watching that midfield gel. Luckily, you had the defense and the attack pretty solid by that point, so you've got that maturity in the team. But now, looking at your midfield at the start of the season, McAllister was not really cooking. 
you didn't really know if he could step up to the big club. Endo came in as a captain of his former club. You thought, mm, well, who, who's this guy? You know, you couldn't get Caicedo, so you've just gone for the third or fourth yeah. or fifth best thing on the market. But actually, as a as Disagree. a unit, you're yeah. I thought you would. But we as just a, we as fleeced a, you, mate. That's what we did. As a unit, you are playing really. I'm giving you a compliment here, mate. I'm doing your yeah, team. He's can't resist, can he? Just, <laughs> <can't> resist. <laughs> just getting those jabs in. <laughs> as a as a unit, though, your team's playing really well. McAllister's starting to show that World Cup form uh, from where you and I, Ashley, were watching Argentina in the pub. One fine day over uh, the Christmas period. We're in Eastbourne, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big up to Eastbourne to any uh, any Isn't listeners. Yeah. Big up Cornfield Weatherspoons or Cornfield Road, banging <laughs> Weatherspoons. Yeah, fantastic. No, I think uh, like, <laughs> one thing that one thing, and I'm sure we'll talk about this as we go into the next game. You know, one thing that Liverpool does have is we have a core of players who know how to get it done, mm-hmm. and as a result, bringing in new players doesn't affect us as much as maybe a Chelsea would when you're doing going for a rebuild. You don't have anyone really who's won anything with you left at the club. Bar, you know, okay, maybe one or two players, but they're not as quite as influential as a Mo Salah, as a Virgil van Dijk, as an Allison. And I think that it was very intentional, obviously, Virgil becoming captain, right? Even if Henderson were to stay, I still think Henderson's time as captain would have been done. Um mm. Obviously, you know, coming into the season with no midfielders, having to go out buy a whole new midfield, we actually bought four midfielders. You'd think it would take some time for them to gel. But I think actually it's just shown how good our team was, considering we had you know, completely zero technical talent in the midfield with Henderson, Vinaldum, and Fabinho, to all of a sudden having two super techie midfielders in Saboslai, McAllister, and having someone like an endo in there just to hold it down as a pivot. Um, yeah. Shout out to Curtis Jones as well. I feel like he stepped up yeah, this game. He's majorly stepped up. Mm. He like he's he's like I'm happy when I see him on his first team sheet now. Like it doesn't make me uncomfortable. It doesn't make me probably same with Conor Gallagher for you Wes. just like they're solid now. Like they're a very solid mm. option. And because they're club mm-hmm. home grow, you know, like they, they tick a few extra boxes. So you just want them around the whole time. Yeah. So I was pretty gutted that he's gone off injured. Yeah, I do feel like we're a stronger team with him in the squad, with him in the starting eleven, right? Which is it's nuts because you know last season, season before, my problem with him was always he held onto the ball for too long. Mm-hmm. All the talent in the world held onto the ball for too long would get, would you know would lose possession. But mm. he's moving things quickly. He's ma- And we are back and we literally broke up for about 20 seconds and that was just enough time for Joe to just deposit a load of snus in his gum. So he's he's fucking flying right now. He's pumped. <laughs> he cannot wait to talk about Spurs 1, Wolverhampton Wanderers 2. Um, Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> Go on, Joe Gomez. Go on, Joe Gomez. <laughs> Honestly, like, it, is, it, brings, um, it brings a tear to my eye. Sorry, Bill. To see mm-hmm. Spurs lose a game, obviously, really think that Spurs must be one of the most, if not the most, hated club in the country now that United are shit. Like, I, I don't, don't know. know anyone who likes Spurs. I can't stand or, them. 
Well, we, we know one person, Ash. We know at least one person. Yeah, well, she's an actual fan. That's different. She's not she's not as a fan, mate. Apparently she's part... <laughs> sorry, it's a bit of a tangent, but apparently she's part of a uh, hardcore ultras group called The Dogs. And there's the top dog and the sub-top dog. And her dream is to be the top dog of the Spurs ultras one day. Wow. She got, okay. I, think she, wow. I think she got invited to one of their birthdays recently. So Football Factory... <laughs> remade for 2024 <laughs> is what I'm saying. You know, like, add more female members out. to the cast. We're living it. We're living yeah, it. Whenever, just... when, when Spurs is playing Chelsea next, I better watch out on the terraces. They might she'll, be coming at me with all she's got. She'll get, she'll get Keith, <laughs> Keith and Terry, mate, from down the lane to come mash you up. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no just... There's no friends here anymore. <laughs> I, just, I just can't stand them. I, I don't know why. Well, I do know. I, do, I, grew up in, I grew up in North question. London as a Liverpool fan, so there you go. Mm. Contentious question, boys. Do you think then that now Spurs is taking the mantle from Chelsea as most hated team? Oh. Not for me, personally. There's only two, two teams in the world that I call scum, and that's United <laughs> and Chelsea. Yeah, you still got that title. You, you know, you still got that. And then you've got the shite, who are Everton, obviously. Then mm. you've got Tottenham. Like they're they're underneath that bracket. They're they're close. It's more you know of an irrational is, hatred. That's why yeah, it is irrational. Chelsea Liverpool has bad blood. There's history. Like there was like rivalry mm. and like I feel like there was one season where we played each other like eight times, and it's mm. just like I just built from that the Mourinho Rafa era, and also Spurs just don't have that dynamic. <laughs> like they just don't have that hatred. I hate to say it. Yeah, but it's, I, like, it's just. You can't, you can't get that. I can't get that heated because they're just not really ever in the conversations that they want to be in. I mean, if you were a Chelsea fan, you'd hate Spurs because, as you just said, with Liverpool, similar. There have been so many clashes over the years where Spurs and Chelsea, battle of the bridge, mate. Any, any Spurs game against Chelsea is, is, a, is a battle. And, yeah, I, I do get what you mean, though. They're kind of coming out of the point of irrelevance now to a point mm-hmm. where they're actually competing for perhaps the top four this season, maybe perhaps. next season, perhaps. Uh, but, you know, they made some There was a lot signings. of title talk three months ago. There's a lot of big title talk and Invincibles talk, I just want to add as well. People get a bit carried away. Um, but now it's two wins, two draws and a loss in the last five games, and they are now fifth. What does it all mean? Or was it just... Are the good vibes like rubbing off? Is Postacoglu just a wish version of Jurgen Klopp? They Who just knows? had a new manager bounce. So many there teams have it, but people just loved it because he's Australian, right? It was something facts. new. Facts. Like never had an Australian before. I mean, we've we've got links to Postacoglu to come to Liverpool and that. See, see you later, mate. Like I'm fine. Yeah, you know, I, I just Tottenham are a weird team. Like they got like Kulusevski's goal, for example, was great. Like they've got that in their like, their locker. Hummin's son has got an absolute worldie of a season in his locker, but you don't mm-hmm. see it enough. And mm-hmm. this year they've been relying on Richarlison. That tells you all. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're yeah, always going to be mediocre. He, he is such a form player. You know, if he's playing well, he'll play well. If he's not, he'll disappear for a couple of games in a row. Nothing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it's it's really interesting. I think they are really missing Papsar at the moment as a as that kind of full in midfield. And your kind of sub Yaya Torre standard kind of player who breaks through the midfield, makes the runs strong, 
aggressive. Um, I know he just came in this season, but you saw the games where Papsar was playing. He played really well. The team played really well. There was a good synergy in the team. Now, mm, not so much. I mean, Ben Sakur coming back is a, is was good for them. I think he's out injured again now. I might be wrong. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Wolves, though, you've got to give it to Wolves under Gary O'Neill. They're coming straight back. They, mm-hmm. they, they yes, tore bro. us apart the other day, unfortunately mm-hmm. for us. They are, they are. I would say, looking at the, the bogey list, viewers, you're, you're going to hear this a bit later, but Wolves have a, a big part to play in, uh, in the next couple of games. Arsenal are playing Gary Wolves away. That is that's a tough mate. game. Yeah, he, and uh, who's Gary O'Neill going to next? I mean, there's some stories, right? Spurs, I, I was thinking. I was yeah. thinking. Let me just throw a, a hot take back out here because the turn of the hot takes. The summer, mm. Deserby moves to Barcelona. Gary O'Neill comes into Brighton. Ooh, I like that. Although he's not More of a lateral step than it is a an upward step. He's I'd not say. used to taking over a club that's not in crisis, though. What if, mm-hmm. what if all like all of his things generating like non-crisis? I don't know confidence. I'm just going to talk about Gary Neal because I wrote some notes because I actually fucking love Gary Neal. I actually think he's close to replacing Sean Dyche as my favourite non-Liverpool manager because Sean Dyche has decided to just be average again, and I just I can't accept it. But Gary Neal, look, I feel like the way he looks at football, marginal gains. He doesn't mm-hmm. mind looking stupid and being a bit of a thought leader in the same way that like Arsene Wenger brought in like sports science or like Jürgen Klopp brought in that dead handball coach, uh, throw coach. Yeah. Like he had everyone wearing these weird like year 3000 glasses a couple of months ago to help them sleep better. And, like It's just weird shit that opens you up to ridicule, but he's willing to do it, which is very un-Brexit because you feel like he's a Brexit manager. And then, okay. like, the way he sets up his teams is he analyses each team they play every week. He has his own system, but he incorporates it to exploit the weaknesses of each team they face. And they're, they're really fucking good at it. They work hard. They're fit. They're tactically mm-hmm. disciplined. They know how to counter. They're clinical. He's made Huang like an actual decent striker, which I didn't think was possible. He's made almost all his players better. And I think he's actually the real deal. I think mm. he is the best English manager prospect in world football now. Yeah. I mean, let's put it this uh, way, couldn't you? you? He couldn't hit a barn door before Gary O'Neill got in there. And I think that's actually part of the, the setup as well. He puts his attacking players in the positions where they can score goals, which yeah. mm-hmm. Cunha, I believe, in, in his previous term at Atletico Madrid, didn't really score many goals, but he was fast and strong. Now that he's playing for Wolves, if you look at his record, I think um, he went on a brilliant run recently and he's got 11 goals in seven games in 28 appearances this season. Uh, for a player like season. him, that, that's, um, that's, I think that's his best season. It's so his best ever season. Same as Huang. They're doing their best ever seasons. It's no coincidence. Pedro Neto looks phenomenal. Pedro Neto is definitely leaving, though, unfortunately. He's too good, but he looks unreal. There's so many good players. Gary O'Neill could unlock Adama Traore's potential that we've all Impossible. said is definitely there. Impossible. Gary O'Neill is the man to drag it out of him. <laughs> if he if he is, he's the best manager to ever exist. Exactly. But I think you'll remember if I'm if I remember correctly, Gary O'Neill was part of Liverpool's backroom staff at one point. He was one of our what? youth coaches. I'm ninety percent certain I'm gonna Google it right now. But I am 
Yeah, I'm actually certain he was. Um, yeah, Tens Gary O'Neill, who's under, 20, under, under 23 first team coach. Gary O'Neill? Wow. Yeah. What? Yeah, so he left us. He left his coaching role in 2021 uh, to join Bournemouth. That is... Oh, wow. So there you like... go. What? Well, that'll be why he's a future Liverpool manager in, in waiting then and why I've got a weird obsession with him now. But yeah. that data analytics piece makes sense. If it was yeah. under the Liverpool system, which obviously like we, we've sort of not pioneered, but sort of brought to the foray, like, you know, yeah, every minute detail. Moneyball, we're not Chelsea. Yeah, Moneyball. Not, not We're not Chelsea. <laughs> we are not Chelsea. All right. I can this almost feel the heat ball. through the screen <laughs> in this pod today. Um, but uh, but Gary O'Neill, you know, and one of the things that I, I recognised in my own head as as one of these kind of uh, deterrents from a play from a, uh, a manager like Gary O'Neill is like you look at him and he does not look like a top manager. He doesn't give the vibes similar to Thomas Frank of a manager that you would employ at a top team just because he hasn't got the star factor but he, he's unassumingly taking the role and, and making Bournemouth better should have kept the job making Wolves better I mean you, you could see him moving to someone like Brighton doing very well and then mm-hmm. perhaps moving on from there please don't put, bring him into Chelsea we've already tried that with Graham Potter we don't really want that that unassuming mate if you're fight, a club but... in crisis you could do a lot worse than Gary O'Neill mate I'll tell you now you were like, pick a few up the weeks pieces. ago a few weeks ago you were pretty close to phoning Big Sam for help mate so <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> no I like but, him I like him a lot I feel like, I like he put too. on a turtle a turtleneck and became a turtleneck wanker like Arteta like Pep, like Chavi, like fucking Julian Nagelsmann, he'd get a big job immediately. I honestly think yeah. he should just change his wardrobe and he'd get a big job. The only problem is he looks like he could be Craig Bellamy's cousin. That's very unfortunate. So there is that si- there is that side to him, you know. That's why we don't Come expect Craig. it. That's Craig why we can't believe it. Mentions on this pod today. <laughs> hey, Craig. Craig Bellamy's get a on, legend. Get on the pod, lads. <laughs> like, no, Craig yeah. Bellamy Google mentions is just floating along at zero just out of nowhere just hey, he's assistant manager at Burnley Craig's doing bits what yes he's he's assistant manager at Burnley Ash your knowledge of backroom staff is actually unparalleled hey. I had no idea you had this in your locker yeah. do you have, do you have any more up. random ones no that's it I'm, I'm, I'm dry mate <laughs> <laughs> well is dry yeah <laughs> But no, guys, very good game from from Wolves against Tottenham. Um, I think let's let's give them their day. But let's talk about the other title contender. What do you guys think? Yes. Should we talk about Arsenal? One. Yes. Some say the most underrated title contender. I personally think maybe they should be the favourites, and we should put more pressure on them because they concede the least goals. They've scored eleven goals in two games. And if Man City had just beaten someone 6-0 and 5-0, we'd be like, it's over, hand it in. So I don't really know why people aren't rating Arsenal too much. but Because they beat Burnley 5-0. Yes, but that's exactly what Man City do every season as well. They smash Burnley 5-0 every season and they win every season. So it's actually quite mm. a good indicator by those standards. Um, but you know that Arsenal will just slip up. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Do. you mentioned it. it. Wolves, it'll be wolves. Watch, wolves will go there and just mm. they'll pepper wolves, but they'll win. Oh, they, they have to go that in their wolves. locker. They have to go up to the Midlands. This is this is the thing. Yeah, you can see wolves at home. That's a tough game. But but Arsenal, I mean, we've got to give one boy his uh, boy, one boy is his uh, credit today, which is, is Saka. He's playing incredible at the moment, and I I don't know about you guys, but he seems to me when I see him on the pitch, I see a very unassuming player. He doesn't, you know, the first goal that he just slammed it in. I don't see that, that you know he does that little shimmy, he gets a little bit of space. Gets an absolute rocket behind the ball. When I look at him as a player, though, I don't see that uh, mm-hmm. when he gets on the ball. And and you look at him. He, I'm going to give you some stats now. He has 28 goal involvements in 32 games this season. That's, that is mad. That's Underrated some season. Silly figures right here. Yeah, that's Salah numbers. Say, I was going to say, but as they all say, only Salah has more. Mm. Well, you can tell we're on the pod with two Liverpool fans. <laughs> okay. no, Always packed no, I, I, I agree with you, though. And I think that I think people forget how young, well, they don't forget how young he is, but like he's been in the limelight for Arsenal for so long now that you just you don't realise he's literally a kid still. Like, yeah. He hasn't even grown into his body. Like it, My worry is he ends up like Michael Owen in that, you know, gets to 24, he's a fucking well beater, but then his body gives up. Now, in this day and age, I think it's less likely for that to happen to players. But he could be more like Eden Hazard's in that by yeah. 30, he's basically he's done. Yeah. But I think if yeah. you get if you get Saka into the gym now, like that's the next step. You get him into the gym and just turn. Like Salah, right? You know, we just spoke about Salah. Same with Mane. Like, they got in the gym and all of a sudden they just went from this to up there, right? And I, I, I genuinely think Saka's got in his locker. Like, I would take him as when... Mo eventually leaves. I'd love to have someone like Saka there, right? Every single team where football will take Saka in a heart. And, and that's that just goes to show how good of a player he is when you've got every yeah. single team in the, in the world. Would be like, I don't think it's even debatable. I don't actually think it's debatable. I think he'd actually walk into every single team where football. I'm really struggling to think of any. I assume Real Madrid have got someone better, but is he better than Rodrigo? It's Rodrigo and Vinny, isn't it? Yeah. Vinny, maybe. Rodrigo, probably not. But yeah, Saka's. Amazing. He, what do you think he's, he's only 22? I, Where was Salah at 22? He's playing for Basel. He's dead. Mane? No, I can't kind of think as well. Oh, he's playing for Chelsea. He was, he was, he was still yeah, dead. He was, he was. <laughs> still dead. But, like but Ronaldo. He, he didn't have, the, he didn't have anywhere near the consistency that, that Saka has. And Saka's got that now at this young age. It's, it's and disturbing. Also, the, the Arsenal system, I, mean, I, I look at their formation and then I look at the way they play. I don't really see structure. I know Arteta was supposed to be the structured manager who has positions for all of his players, but you now look at them, you couldn't, they're, they're very fluid in the way they play. And I feel like that really benefits Saka going up top because he can find those positions either on the wing or through the lines. And, and because of the way the other players are moving around him, no one really knows how to pick him up as well as picking up the rest of the team. So I agree. The only problem with that is is when things aren't going your way, are you ruthless enough to get it done? And I don't think Arsenal have that streak. They don't mm-hmm. have the ability to dig it out. Like, you know, there's times where City will be down 2-0 and then they'll win the game 5-2, right? And, yeah. and same, with, same with Liverpool, right? We have that in us. We also have it in us to lose 5-0 as, as well. But Arsenal, I just, I just don't think they've got that killer instinct yet. 
And that comes with time. Like I can imagine them this year, like getting to Champions League final and yeah. losing, but mm. that would propel them forward. You know, whereas Arsenal of old, it, they lost, they lost convincingly and they'd be in obscurity. And that's one thing that, that Arteta's given them is that, you know, it doesn't matter if you lose, it's how you bounce back. Yeah, they're definitely here yeah. to stay. Um, I want yeah. to pick up on what you said, Joe, because you were talking about fluidity, and I noticed that too. Since Jesus has come out of the team, they had some bad results where they couldn't, they just couldn't do anything. So I think what they've done, which is quite cool, is they've got Trossard, Havertz, and Odegaard to do what Jesus does, but just randomly. So they'll, mm-hmm. you know, those like selfless runs into the corner, trying to create space, trying to like disrupt the opposition low block. They're all just doing it at random now. It's total chaos, but they're all in sync. So as one goes, the other will like fill the space, as opposed to Jesus doing it all. They've effectively replaced Jesus and then just gained an extra attacker at the same time mm. by replacing his work ethic and his movement. So I think that's why they're just demolishing people now, because they're just doing like a Jesus-like strategy across the whole midfield, basically. And it's, it's good. I, I think that's a great shout, because I... Been watching Havertz recently, and he actually looks like he's a player and not a donkey, right? <laughs> and like, but genuinely, but that's how you are. Yeah, when you've got yeah. gifted players like Saka and Martinelli, you need someone, something to be sacrificial to enable them to to do this. And mm. I think it's it's no surprise that Havertz has come into some sort of form, and that's propelled the likes of Martinelli, the likes of Saka, you know, in, into what they what they're producing now. Well, that, that leads me to a nice question that I was going to ask you guys. So I've also noticed that Havertz, he's been getting a lot of uh, praise from his manager, Arteta. He's also, as you say, he's seemingly coming into a little bit of form with some goals and the way that he plays. But I would like to ask a question, you know, for you guys, is Havertz playing really well? Or is Havertz just in a team that's playing really well and therefore it's rubbing off on him being that spare man and, and actually putting in a few performances? So I think that's a good question. And, you know, again, taking it back to Liverpool, you could people could have said the same thing about Roberto Firmino. Was it just that he was in a great team which enabled him to be this, you know, the player that he was? Actually, I think it's the brilliance of the player and it's the same with Havertz. The brilliance of Havertz is, is he can play that false nine sacrificial role so effectively that it keeps the team ticking. And I think that's probably what Arteta saw in him. Don't get me wrong, like the jury's still out on him, but I think we're starting to see what Arteta saw in him and what he can mm-hmm. bring to the team. And I don't think he's a spare part in a good team. I think he's a he's a cog in the wheel. Like he's an integral part of that team. I agree with Ash. The only thing I'd caveat is that Burnley's a pretty easy game and West Ham are the most negative team ever. So he is given a lot of space to operate. I think Mm. For teams that play a much higher press, like Brighton, Liverpool, City, he does get caught quite a lot. And I think he might be the perfect player for teams that set off you. But teams that are going to attack you and press you, he's probably not a great fit. Yeah. That, and that's, that's why the other is they still need another forward, right? Because mm-hmm. if, if mm. the Havertz piece isn't working, if, if Jesus isn't working, then they need someone else to... And it goes back to my point about just that ruthlessness. I That's don't what think you they need. have that one player exactly. who's ruthless. You need pace, mm. someone who can finish one of one chance, touch the ball like 10 times and just finish that one counter-attacking chance. Yeah. And that's, like, like, let's, let's be real. If they went out and got someone like Aussie men, that would be disgusting. Like, do you know how maybe unhappy. Yeah. That's not going to happen. 
He's coming to Chelsea, isn't he? Ossiemen will go to Chelsea. He's coming to Chelsea, Because they'll give him a contract of a 20 billion quid a week. Yeah. For 19 years. Also, (laughs) generational wealth. (laughs) Also, Agent Drogba is coming in. And Agent Drogba has been doing his bit during the AFCON and before to get Ossiemen into... You saw Oshimen's comments before the AFCON, or during the AFCON even. He said, I know where my next team's going to be. I've already got it lined up. It's Chelsea. To be fair, well, I mean... It's only it, Chelsea it's, or City can afford it. So. No, he's, or, he's going to PSG, PSG, guys. You're, you're overthinking yeah. this. Mbappe's going. They need to make a statement. Oshimen's coming in. No, I mean, PSG are getting Marcus Rashford. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my mistake. Yeah, Bernardo Silva as well. <laughs> Rashford to PSG. Finally happening. Let's go. Right. Rashford's dead, by the way. Just want to caveat. Rashford should not be in the England squad. Neither should Grealish. Neither should Sancho. It should just be Saka. To your, to your points earlier, guys, you were saying about uh, Arsenal and, and maybe a comparison between Arsenal and the other teams on how you do when you're playing other teams that maybe aren't as much of a pushover as West Ham or, or Burnley. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to reel off a couple of Arsenal's games coming up to you guys. See what you think. See if you think they are wins losses, draws, and how well you see the fixture list for Arsenal versus Liverpool or City. So, Arsenal coming up, Newcastle at home, Chelsea at home, yeah, they'll City win away. Both. Ooh, I, I actually think Chelsea could frustrate Arsenal, but I'm pretty sure they'll beat you, no offence. They'll definitely beat Newcastle. They could do. City away though, and then yeah. Wolves away a bit later on, Spurs could... away, and then Man United away. That's their fixture list. Mm. You have a lot. Back to back. Oh, well, they got Villa at home in between City and Wolves, but you'd think they might it's be able to turn over Villa. Mate, yeah. no, that's Don, not an easy game, though. Don Emery to turn up and ruin the Arsenal title shots. It's written. And he'll be there. Good evening. <laughs> Giving <laughs> it to Mourinho. Giving it to Silent Stan. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. what exactly <laughs> that is a tough okay. run of games though that especially towards the end of the season if they lose one of those let's say that they lose against Chelsea and City and they're on the back foot and they haven't quite got the same kind of the same motivation as they did before the same spirit or energy suddenly Wolves looks like a hard game Spurs away is a very hard game and then United yeah. away if I was an Arsenal fan hearing that and not knowing that news, I'd give up on the title right now. There's no way they're winning all those games. Not even close. Four wins max, I reckon. And that's it. Title done. Let's just hope they mm. beat City in that run. I must say, Liverpool isn't looking that good either. So let me read off a few Liverpool fixtures. I'm <laughs> sure you already know them. It's but... probably looking even worse. Even Luton's looking bad now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't included Luton in this list, but in the bogey teams that I've got for Liverpool, you've got Forest away. I think that could be difficult in Forest's current little vein of form. Six Easy. City at home. Yeah. Yeah, that, at that, home. That's, two, that's two. The, the one game, obviously, that, that's the swing game of the season, right? Yeah. If we lose that, that brings Arsenal back into question because they can catch up with us and obviously propel City forward. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, we all know about the big game. So let's go to your bogey games. But then we got, <laughs> we got the Merseyside derby at Everton. You never know. You never know. Sure, I know you'd say yes, but he's not got it in him anymore. Know. All right, I'll no, say that. I'll take that out of the list. All right, Brighton at home, Man United away, Spurs at home, Villa away. See, yeah. I think I think that the United game is the one. 
because as we know, always yeah. in United, form goes out the window. They are going to, they would rather see City win the league than us. Yeah. So they are going to be gun-ho on stopping us. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I also think Villa has, and this may be just because we lost 7-2 to Villa all those years ago, I, that has well, a capacity that's, to absolutely ruin it wasn't us. Real. <laughs> wasn't real. <laughs> it wasn't real. It was a weird time. Everyone was in lockdown. It didn't count. Yeah, but yeah, every okay. team actually, every team is playing Spurs in this. Uh, in so Villa and Spurs are, and Wolves are the ones that decide where it goes, basically. And, and and United, Man United as well. Each team is playing Man United. Each team is playing Villa. Each team is playing Spurs. They're all quite hard running, actually. I, one, I thought I'd feel more City, confident. I love to that. City's playing Brighton away, and you know what happened last season with Enzo's absolute monster strike. That's oh, a decent. that's a bogey yeah. one for, for for City. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think City have any bogey games. I think they're at that point of the season now where they're just unfazed mm-hmm. by everything. Mm-hmm. I disagree. There's one game, one singular game that you bet your house on, and that's Spurs away. Spurs away. They have a one in six. That's a guarantee. Fair. Yep. Fair. Spurs away. Man United as well. Are they playing Spurs right in a way? They're going they're to absolutely rinse yeah. United. I'm telling you this now. It's going to be yeah. embarrassing. Right. On to teams that are burger teams. Not listed because they're rubbish. Crystal Palace. They've got Roy say, Hodgson. That <laughs> is a fixture though. R.I.P. Roy. What a yeah. legacy. I think that might be him done. He tried to retire. Didn't fancy it. Got bored of being at home and just watching daytime telly. Came back out, but I think it's time. And they replaced him with Oliver Glasner, who (laughs) the direct quote from Niko Kovac, former Bayern Munich manager, is he's very well structured and very well organized, meticulous and prepares his teams thoroughly. Sounds like Roy Hodgson to me. So they basically just got the young Roy Hodgson to take over from the old Roy Hodgson. And Hmm. it just feels Um, very uninspiring. But Palace know who they are. Europa League I, winner, this guy. Thanks, thanks mate. <laughs> <laughs> I think Palace know who they are. But they do. <laughs> they, they know that on the, you know, they could have one year where they might get top 10. And mm-hmm. then the rest of it is they're just fighting fighting relegation and will end just above the relegation zone, right? They're well nervous about trying anything different, aren't they? They tried that exactly. one guy who lost, like, what, five in a row at the start of the season? They were like, nah, 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 nah. Shit themselves yeah. immediately. Conspiracy theory, but you know, I said this to you earlier. Klopp's leaving. Roy's available. When Benitez left, who was available? Let's go. Love it. Fuck it. Oh, it's looking dire, isn't it? It's looking dire. Just in case things, there is there is a theory, right? That the vacuum that Klopp's going to leave, whoever comes next, is going to be a David Moyes candidate, no matter what. A sacrificial candidate. So maybe just instill Roy for like two months, just to like take the heat, lower the bar, and then get a real candidate. In, sign you know? sign Kunchevsky again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, let let the man retire for fuck's sake. Let Roy, Roy retire. Will never retire. Let him go. He loves it. <laughs> if he like wanted to Roy. retire, he would have retired by now. He's like fucking eight years old, mate. There's, God, there's, his missus must be absolutely on one. Him and Neil Warnock <laughs> are a different breed, mate. They they will yeah. they'll say they're gonna retire, they'll leave for six months and they'll both be back. I'd like to see Roy Hodgson do like punditry or something, because he's bit of a, he's got a bit of a spiky side to him, you know. It's all just like Uncle Roy and then suddenly he's like, Oh fuck off. 
And I'd like to see that side of him a bit more often. He's got a bit of Michael Caine in him, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he looks like a nice owl, but like he will peck you. So I want to see a bit more of him. <laughs> All right, I think that's it. Anything you guys want to add? I know that we did, close to the end, we've probably got like three minutes of runtime left. Does anyone want to bring up anything? I know Brian won 5-0, so we could. Well, I think one thing to note for Brighton, just a big shout out to Simon Adingra. He's, uh, he came in this season, another one of these Brighton finds from Belgium, I think it was. And then he's just gone and won the AFCON and been like the one of the key players in Ivory Coast bids for the AFCON. Come back to Brighton. Brighton had McAllister last season come back from the World Cup. They gave him a big clap and a big round of applause. Mm-hmm. They've just done the same for Simon Adingra. They, they had a whole stadium for him and they got him he, he won young player of the year in the AFCON so did he he didn't he didn't just participate in the team he was a core they've player done it again and, and that, they've done it again and he just scored two goals in his return to play so you know you got to, I think we've got to give a shout out to Adingra as well as the rest of the team I think he goes a bit over overshadowed by Jao Pedro who's obviously had an absolute cracking season so um do you yeah. think, no joke, do you think they just play football manager? Because all of these players, like Yael Pedro is one of the highest rated youngsters on football manager generally. 100%. Do you, do you think everyone else is just missing out on a database of players because they're too they, proud? They're like, they, oh, they've loaned in Antu Fatty. That is a very, very football yeah. manager. Next well, year, they'll have Lamine Yamal from, Bright, uh, from Barcelona coming yes. on loan as well. <laughs> And there'll Anyone be some be sort certain. of end of the season clause where they can, you know, they can buy him for a certain amount. I'm telling you, I do mm. think it does make you question reality sometimes, doesn't it? Where you're like, it's all a bit too football managery for my liking. But I was saying on the last pod that guy they signed, Valentin Borres or whatever he's called, he's literally the most signed player on football manager, like statistically. Bit too sus, I think. Yeah. So but, there you go. Well done, Brighton. You know. They got a win. They needed that one. They, I think they've had a bit of a uh, bad run of form recently. So I know it's only Sheffield United, but I'm hoping. And they I, would I'm, die. For, for, I'm hoping for you guys, mm-hmm. at least, when it comes to the title race, you've got uh, City, Brighton away at some point soon. I hope that that's uh, their point that they've got a bit of form. We'll be fine, mate. We find yeah. a way. We'll be fine. The real question is, Ash, before we wrap up, do you want Chabi Alonso or do you want. Fucking, what's his name at Bryson? I've completely forgotten his name. Zerbi. 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 I'd rather take Alonso. I, I think that Zerbi is a very overrated manager. I think he's good, but I don't think he's fucking quality. And I think that the affinity that Chabby has with the club, the fact that he's, you know, displacing Bayern at the moment, the fact that like it is, we're going to face them in the Europa League final. It all seems like a, uh, you know... Destiny. A, a de- destiny, yeah. I, I just personally, I don't think Deserbi's as good as it's made out to be. And I'm I don't gonna, agree with he'll, that. He'll go to he'll go to Barcelona anyway. If he was given yeah. the two options, he'll go Barca. So yeah, I don't agree with you in you saying he's not as good as as everyone thinks he is. But I do agree with you that I think your perfect candidate is Xabi Alonso. Okay, question for you: Who was a better manager for Brighton, Graham Potter or Deserbi? Deserbi, Deserbi. But that's just not true because Pot. Potter got, more results, better, got better results than him. So there yeah, you go. Brighton play a lot nicer. It doesn't and, matter. Uh, they got results. 
I, yeah, I would take Brighton, a shitty Brighton. Jose Mourinho 1-0 park the bus win <laughs> all day, every day. That's a lie. That's a lie, you know. That's, that's, that's a definitely a lie. We've had some shit football and it was awful. It was. But we, you know, we found banter in it. We had Kyriakos and Colo Torre as a partnership. Are you telling me you know? those first few years on the clock weren't the best years of your life football-wise when we was winning 4-3? Uh, Daily scratch. There we go. There we go. Food watch. It's time, listener. Joe's hungry. Yeah. He's got his dinner again. That is the yeah. signal that we've run out of time. So thank you for listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, yeah, we'll be, be back next week. Don't know what the lineup will be yet, but it'll be good. So see you next week. Follow us on socials. Thank you. Goodbye. Adios.